Welcome to the first episode of the We've Used podcast. My name is David Moore. We've created this podcast together with the We've Used team to celebrate and explore the shared adventures that unite us as runners. So each episode, we plan to dive into the stories, experiences, and insights of the remarkable individuals who make up our community. We'll examine the world of running, gear, and all the fascinating aspects that lie between. But here's our twist. It's not just a podcast, it's an interactive experience. After a 10 to 15 minute interview with our featured guest, we'll open the floor to our rising stars for a question and answer and conversation. So get ready to be inspired, connect with amazing individuals, and embark on a podcast meets meetup experience like no other. Thank you for joining us, uh, let's dive in. So first I'll introduce our, our host of the week is Nathan Reyes. As a co-founder of We've Used, Nate's passionate about running and just completed the Columbus Marathon this past weekend. You're sure to come to know and enjoy his voice. It's been described as a harmonious mix of Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog. So Nate, thank you for joining and, and hosting today. And then our featured guest for episode one is Lucy Haynes. Uh, Lucy's had a remarkable year. So she uh, clinched a second place finish in the Leadville Trail 100 completed her master's degree in applied sports psychology. She also embarked on an exciting journey, launching her own mental strength coaching through Inside Out Athlete. Adding to her list of achievements, Lucy recently aligned with Scarpa as a sponsored athlete for ultra running and climbing as well. So Lucy, thank you for joining us and I'll let uh, you and Nate take it away. Thanks, David. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, David. That was uh, that was fantastic. And I'm just as excited to talk again to Lucy. There's a couple things I think that I wanted to hear. I'd love to hear the experience at Leadville and your thoughts on what that experience meant to you. And then uh, ask you a little bit about how you prepared your crew uh, and some of the challenges that that elevation can uh, can you know present. So I'll let you go in any direction you want there. But I might fill in with some more questions. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, first of all, thank you. You guys are so sweet. Leadville, we were just talking about this before um, before we hopped on the recording, but you guys just did your Columbus Marathon and that uh, had a lot of meaning because it was one of your first experiences. And Leadville is the same for me. I It was my first marathon. It was my first 50. I think I did like my first long, long runs up there in training. And it just meant a lot to to come back and do that. I I had been intending to do it last year and then got sidelined with some pretty severe health issues that kept me out for like a solid year from running. So it was even more special to come back and finish the season with that and knowing that I had, you know, spent almost a year making my body stronger and more resilient and, you know, learning to treat myself with more respect so that I could do those things. Yeah. So it was it was very special to come full circle in that way. And, you know, certain races have magic to them. I think all races do, but, you know, you know, you talk about Western States magic, you talk about um, like Boston magic and, and Leadville has, has its own magic where the community is just out there. Like they're there for you every single step. That makes a huge, huge difference. I was just so fascinated to, to feel that energy coming from everybody. And like the second that you would go into an aid station, you just had this renewed sense of energy that was like absolutely gone two seconds ago. And it was, 
yeah, it just reinstated the power of like treating running not as an individual sport, but as a team sport. Did you go with any other folks that were running with you or did you bring a crew? I knew one other person that was running, but he and I, we started together, but we didn't stay together. And I have a crew comprised of my fiance and he's like, you know, required to be there. (laughs) And then um, my two best friends, both of whom are runners and they have been practicing the crew situation with me like all summer leading up to that, like at my other two races and they have it dialed. Like I was just a race car coming into the track. Like I would just stand there and they would, you know, spray me down with sunscreen and swap out the gear in my vest and took like 30 seconds flat at each aid station, which is super important for those long distances. Like you get so tempted to just stop and sit down and rest. But as soon as you do, you're kind of on a sliding, <laughs> a sliding scale backward. Um, the goal is definitely to keep moving or at least stay upright at all times. Was there any point like at an aid station where you were considering a push to see if you can close the gap or even take the lead? I mean, there always is for sure. The The first woman, um, she was a good clip ahead. Um, she it was it was not her first hundred. She has a lot more experience. Um, not not to use that as an excuse, but I think I was more seeing her as something to chase rather than, you know, something to to beat. And I, I learned a lot from her strategy for sure. I know that's not the only challenge. I know you have your sights set on some uh, bigger and better things as well. Can you go into a little bit of that? You are obviously uh, multi-talented. Tell me a little bit about your upcoming challenges. Yeah, I mean, Leadville is kind of like my first time doing a more prestigious race where the competition is pretty well known. And it was scary to do that, Um, not even just because of the challenges that Leadville has, but because of the reputation that it has. But I think being able to do that and kind of surprise myself there made it feel more doable or at least more, I don't know, more possible to try. Um, So I'm definitely kind of opening up my options for the coming year to try more of the big name races and, and see what I can do there. I was dealing with some pretty bad ITBS after Leadville that I've only kind of just started to get over. I'm just taking my first few runs. I was on the bike for a very long time, but luckily I think I'm getting over it just in time to train up for the Black Canyons 100K in February with the very reach goal of trying to get a golden ticket for Western States um, because they give those to the top three and you know I'll probably head out and go train there in January a little bit too, get some get some experience on those trails. And, you know, if if the magic does happen, if everything clicks, um, I would love to go to Western States in June, but I will keep trying to do that. If that is not a possibility this year, the competition is going to be pretty stacked at Black Canyon this year. So we'll see. And then I've got a couple options on the radar for later in the summer. There's, um, I'll do something in the midsummer, not quite sure yet. I'd like to wrap up the season with either Run Rabbit in September or the Rim to River 100 in West Virginia that's in November, both of which kind of hold some special meaning for me as well. But, you know, Leadville has its has its claim to fame as like a high altitude race. Pretty much all of it is 10,000 feet or above. But the actual like the actual terrain and the actual climbing in Leadville is not insane. It does have Hope Pass, which is, you know, if you look at the 
elevation chart, it's pretty wild. It's, it's very steep. But the rest of the course is quite runnable, which was cool because it kind of showed me that I, you know, my strengths might be in these more runnable races, not necessarily the super, super steep, super jagged, more mountainous ones. So I've been kind of trying to seek those out, which, uh, you know, Black Candy is one of those. Western States is one of those. Run Rabbit is definitely a little bit more hilly, but still, still pretty quick and still pretty runnable. So I'm kind of looking for races that are runnable, but have other challenges that make them super difficult. Like Black Canyon terrain is very right. technical and there's a lot of downhill, which I'm, I'm good at. Western States is, you know, just fast. So, and very competitive. So, um, yeah, I think it's been intriguing to look for like other elements and races besides just the, just the climb to make them challenging. Now, what I hear is a lot of training. That's a that's a quite a load for training. How are you balancing that with that role you're taking on in coaching? And tell us a little bit about that work life balance. Yeah, uh, this past year is pretty tough. I was working a full time job and in grad school and training and writing on the side. You know, just kind of going crazy the entire time. But I just quit my full time job to go full time freelance writing and launch my sports psychology business. So that has definitely freed up a lot of mental space, which I'm super grateful for. It's less stable, but it's more flexible. I'm at the point where I just need more time than money in my life. So that's kind of what I'm doing to help with that. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of changes that makes, but also just a lot of time blocking and early mornings and you should see how many different color codes are on my calendar like it's a little wild but <laughs> um, I'm definitely the type where if I know exactly what I'm gonna do and when I can tetris everything together it's it's also very interesting balancing it with the climbing climbing training you can't do as many days a week like you can't do it as frequently because of your tendons but you do it for longer at a time so i'll have like four days a week of more extended sessions or full outdoor days that obviously take a lot more time but you know that's that's again where kind of the time blocking and the strict scheduling comes into play did you want to talk a little bit more about the what psychology you know touch on when, when you take on clients or what that looks like? Yeah. I mean, I will say that, you know, the health issues that I was facing last year when I couldn't run, a lot of those had to do with lingering symptoms of an eating disorder that I thought that I had conquered in the past and had come back to uh, rear its ugly head at me just as when I was in the thick of training. And I think that can be a huge stumbling point for people. Like training is stress. And stress can bring up a lot of, you know, previous trauma that you thought that you had taken care of. It just digs all of that up. It brings you down to your, down to your core, exposes everything, makes you really, really raw. And it brings up problems that you thought were gone. So that's kind of what happened to me. And I had started my sports psychology, like master's program a little bit before that. And it ended up playing a like enormous role in my recovery from that. Like sports psychology is not the same as therapy. They have a lot of overlapping factors. It's a consulting counseling relationship that brings in a lot of mental health tools, but it is more focused on like the role that 
exercise and sport and training um, and competition like play in your life rather than, you know, deep seated clinical concerns. But like my own education in that arena really forced me to use myself as a guinea pig and really address my relationship with with training and running and climbing and see that I had aligned myself so intensely with those things that I couldn't extrapolate myself from them or I couldn't extricate myself from them. I was I was what I was doing and I was my performances and I, I was how much I was training and I was getting all of my value from that, which led to a lot of overtraining and a lot of like stress in my mind because everything that I did was directly like it directly transferred to how I valued myself and how I carried myself and how I thought people saw me. So really working to untangle all of that and build a much healthier relationship with my training was just as integral as like getting my body physically healthier. And that kind of, I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my degree before then. I thought, you know, maybe I'll use it for my writing or maybe I'll join a sports team and be their resident sports psychology consultant. But doing that and kind of feeling the effects in myself, like treating myself as a client, kind of solidified the fact that I really just wanted to work with people one-on-one -on -one that were going through similar things and needed to redefine their relationship. With, with that said, training. how does one identify themselves as a candidate? How do you know if you need that type of counseling, like a telltale sign that I'm looking for within myself? Like, am I, is this, I mean, training is hard no matter, you know, which way you look at it, but how do you recognize if it's something that you're dealing with that is there? Is it pushing yourself so hard and, and that's bringing it up? Or is there any way to even tell? I... I would say the biggest thing is maybe looking at how you deal with failure. If you are really, really struggling in the face of failure, or even just, you know, from workout to workout, if you're like constantly looking at your splits and you're like, oh my God, I was a second slower in this one than I was the last one, or I have to beat what I did in the last session, or I have to make sure that this like this workout is more productive or longer or harder, and you can never kind of let yourself ebb and flow, or if you try something and it doesn't work, if your immediate reaction is an existential like evaluation of who you are and what that says about you, I think that can be a really good sign that things are a little too tightly tied together because honestly, failure can be the number one way to improve if you see it that way. Um, and you use it that way. Uh, it's really hard to improve at anything without sucking at it a lot and letting yourself do that. So I think, you know, a poor relationship with failure can be a big sign. I think that, you know, constantly overdoing it on your training and, you know, sneaking around if you have a coach, you know, maybe not always listening to what they're saying or always, you know, doing the extra mile literally on your training plan or, you know, for some people, I think trying to maintain a running streak can be a sign of that because you're uncomfortable with taking any time to rest or give the training like the time or mental space to sink in. If you're really struggling with slowness or stillness oh. or, you know, you can't run with people or you can only run with people, I think extremes are definitely a, a sign. Thanks for that. 
can you tell some of our readers, uh, folks, you know, how you got involved with us? Like, what are you looking at when you see WeViews, the community, the capabilities are things that we do that can be helpful when it comes to uh, our own communication? Yeah, I I found WeViews like really soon after it got started. I saw an ad um, advertising like review opportunities. And I believe that I emailed David and I was like, hey, I like to write and I like gear. I'll do that. So he took a chance on me and I enjoyed that. And I helped out with the blog and the social media for a long time, like at least a year, I think a little bit more. Um, And I still write for the blog now and put up my own reviews. That's a reminder. I need to put up some reviews. I, I really liked and still do the concept of grassroots reviews and, you know, getting these authentic opinions from people who are not incentivized who like have no reason to just say positive things who can give you know responses to two year items based on how their individual body responds to it because that also communicates to other people that you know we're all unique we all have our own traits physical mental emotional what have you and we all bring different things to running and none of us is expected to fit this like runner mold so yeah, I think that was kind of the the main motivation for me and really liking the platform. And it's come so far since then. There are so many more people in this Rising Stars group. There are so many reviews every day on such a wide range of of things. And sometimes things that you would never really expect to like see reviews on that are hard to find anywhere else. I've seen reviews on fuel products that you'll order those and you're never really sure what they're going to taste like or what the texture is going to be. And I feel like people don't really leave reviews on that sort of thing, but you do find those on WeViews, which is really important. That's been uh, a huge help for our community just to to watch your progress and uh, possible that other folks on this call might have some questions for you. You know, I don't want to be the only one that is asking them. So maybe Dave, if you want, you can see if anyone else has something. Sure. Thank you, Nate. I definitely have a couple of questions that I'd love to ask Lucy myself, but let's open up to our Rising Stars audience. And if anybody has a question for Lucy or would just like to join in on the conversation, go ahead and raise your hand in the chat. I will turn it over to you. It looks like we have Mike Murphy from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Lucy. So I know, you know, mindset's really big for you. With Leadville specifically, the physical side of things, uh, mental fueling, what was the the most challenging for you? Oh, that's a really good question. It was all quite challenging, but I think interestingly enough, the last 10%, like literally the last 10 miles were probably the hardest thing that I have ever done, which is kind of funny looking back on it because it's actually the easiest part of the course. It's like pretty darn flat. You're at relatively low elevation, but everything that you've done up until that point just comes like crashing down. And it's really hard to train for that feeling. You can't, you can't train for that 90 mile feeling. It would be really unhealthy to do that in training. That's something that you can really only experience in the moment. So I think that was honestly the most challenging part. I tried to give up like every quarter mile. Um, and uh, what 
ended up working in that situation, my pacer and I kind of figured it out in the moment was, and this is something I've been using ever since I basically aligned my breathing with my pacing. Um, so it's like one breath per step. And I was moving like very slowly at that point, but being able to do that and know that, you know, like inhale left foot, exhale, right foot. It it really grounded me in the moment and kept me from getting that overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, these last eight miles are going to take two hours. I can't be out here for that much longer. I'm going to like, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I want to curl up in the fetal position and throw myself into the water. It was definitely those, those moments of panic. There were some really low moments. And I know I'm making jokes, but I think it's similar to what I said before. Like it, those experiences and all of that training and all of that load leaves you really, really raw. And all of your demons come out in that moment, whether they're you know appropriate for the situation or not. So simplifying everything down to inhale step, exhale step, save me. Highly recommend that strategy. It's really good for speed work too, actually, because I struggle similarly with speed work where, you know, it starts to feel really overwhelming because it's so painful and scary. I'm not like a naturally fast person. So it's very, very uncomfortable. But, you know, going into it with, you know, I'm not thinking any further ahead than this breath. You know, I'll think about the next one when I get to that and aligning that with your with your stride. Great advice, uh, Lucy. Inhale step, exhale step. I'm sure something that that runners of all levels, whether it's finishing up your your hundred mile race or as you say speed work or you know, whatever may be at the the edge of someone's limits, to to take it down to the the, the smallest piece that just is each and every step and and time you're breathing up to try and dig deep and keep going. Uh, we have uh, Kylie here as well from Rifle, Colorado. Go ahead, Kylie. I just want to say, um, it's more of a comment that I thought it was so cool that the day you won Western States, I had, I'd saw your name or sorry, got second, not Western States. Oh my God. I'm losing it. Leadville. It's been a long day. I was going to say, if I had won Western States, we'd be having a different conversation. (laughs) Think about it next year, maybe, but, um, sorry, I meant Leadville, which is phenomenal. But that day, I remember that I saw your name in the second place because I follow and you also like commented in the rising star group about like an anti-chafing or something like really funny like that. And I was like, she is in this group message while like, you know, hopefully enjoying the glory of a second place finish. But it was so funny to see that. And I was like, wow, she must be so down to earth. So I really wanted to be on this call to learn more about you and hear about oh your gosh. That's so sweet. Cause I distinctly remember that I was um <laughs> my friend's van afterward like completely unable to sleep, like so wired and so in pain. I was just like lying there doom scrolling for hours. And it was just like, huh, I wore this uh, this heart rate monitor that they're talking about in this race. Maybe I'll just talk to them about it. <laughs> I think that was, yeah, it was just so wired. <laughs> That's the worst part about finishing an ultra is that you can't actually sleep afterward, no matter how much you want to. It's the worst feeling. Lucy, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Uh, a little bit about Scarpa. I know, obviously, attending OMS. Uh, thank you again for n- inviting me out, be- yeah. being out there, and I got to meet with uh, Julia and learn. I didn't know much about Scarpa. I hadn't ever used any of their products. I know they're a climbing, I, I think, climbing first company, and then making a a break into trail running. So I I don't know how large the uh, professional climbing plus ultra running 
athlete community is, but it sounds like it's a, it's a great fit for you. So would, would just love to hear more about like how you found them, what, what they do for you and what they mean in your training and your professional career going forward, climbing in and running. Yeah. Scarpa is awesome because it covers both of my bases and they're one of two companies out there that does that essentially. And their climbing product line, yeah, that definitely came first. They're very big in the climbing community, um, one of the top brands in climbing. So that's how I've known about them for years, but they've recently launched you know, their trail running line as well. And it was just a perfect fit because of the, the combination of the two. Yeah. So their, their running side is still relatively small. There's only a few of us on the trail running team. And that makes it super, super special. Just feel very supported. You know, there's a good community and we're all out there trying new things. And it's, you know, also not super pressured because it is a small team, which is great. Their shoes have been wonderful. I wore one pair all through Leadville. I brought another in case I wanted to change and never wanted to. And I didn't have any blisters. Um, And I crossed like four rivers. I'm talking rivers, like waist deep, not like streams, like (laughs) there was there was some deep water crossing um and the shoes dried out super super quick the spin infinities those that i wore the entire time those are my long run shoes they also make a really nice like speedy pair for trails the spin 2.0 and then they recently launched a like fully recycled shoe called the spin planet that is my favorite everyday Hmm. shoe um they only make trail shoes so that is the one downside if i'm doing mileage like on the road then i'll use a different brand What's the special or unique characteristics on the Scarpa trail shoes? Is is there anything kind of particular that you could point at the brand and say, this is what they're about. This is what you can expect in a pair of their trail running shoes. Yeah, they are very terrain based. Um, So their shoes are not necessarily going to be based on cushion or fit or drop or that sort of thing. All of them have about a four millimeter drop overall, mm-hmm. which suits my foot really well. I used to run in zero drop and those would, um, those actually led to a lot of lower body strains and, and mild injuries. So I don't do that anymore, but most of their shoes are targeted towards specific types of terrain. So they're going to have, they're actually, they have two coming out soon. One is meant for specifically soft terrain. So it's going to be like your snow, your mud, your loose dirt. Then they have another one coming out meant for hard terrain. So that's going to be your slick rock, your alpine, your volcanic rock, that sort of thing. I'm only thinking of that because I just got back from Hawaii where I was running on that and it's hard on the body. So it's nice to, it would be nice to have a shoe with a little bit more directed cushion for that. Um, And then right now they have, you know, distance-based shoes as well. So they have ones that are going to be meant for, you know, super long distances, like the ones that I wore at Leadville. They have ones that are meant for short and speedy distances. They have ones that are made for like alpine scramble running. If you're looking at them, you're taking more of like what your what your terrain and what your end goal is into account rather than, you know, other factors that that other shoe brands tend to use. It's more like environmental, environmentally based. And by that, I mean like your surroundings, though they also have a recycled shoe that they just came out with for the, you know, ecological environmental purpose. I know we have a rundown article that, that's coming together yourself with some collaboration from Scarpa to share a little bit more about what they're doing in the trail running space with our audience. So look forward to that. We're excited to watch out for you in the Black Canyons 100. 
if that ultimately ends up with a ticket to Western States, your invitation is now to come back and share that story with us. Uh, Lucy Haynes, thank you so much for joining us as our guest on episode number one of the WeView's Running Podcast. Yeah, more to come, and hopefully it'll be more smiles, more uh, more friends, and, and more ways to meet up. So uh, definitely appreciate the time from everyone tonight.